everyone this morning? Good. Team, you, you are awesome. Do you're awesome. Production team, can we give them a huge hand this morning? So, so good. Father, I thank you this morning for the power of your presence, for the power of your family, for the power of your word. Lord God, I just thank you that you'll continue to speak to each one of us this morning as we are intentionally gathered around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Whoa, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm like, is that God? Is that God's phone? Or is that like, um, I listened to Beth's message last week and uh, seriously, I told Mark, we cracked up laughing at Abel's um, dear Siri when he was praying. Um, I'm like, it sounds very much in the same vein. But anyway, so, so good. Um, I want to commend our youth ministry and our youth leaders. I want you to give them all a huge round of applause this morning. Because you know, we had a big change here around youth and Mark and I stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of you. They all stepped up and they're like, we've got it. We've got it. And we're just so proud of you. And, you know, whenever there's a little bit of pushback, you know that um, it's like often, not always, but often it's enemy strategy because of what lies ahead. And there is a fight on for young people and, and young adults. And, and I love that we're just not sitting down and going, oh, well, it was too hard. No way. You know, we're standing up and taking ground. And so keep praying for our youth ministry. Um, Friday night, it was our granddaughter's first night at youth. I can't even believe that. I'm like, Ava, when did you grow? When did you grow? And so, you know, she had an outfit planned for weeks. And... Um, <laughs> We, Mark and I went and picked her up yesterday and spent some time with her and I'm like, so what was your favourite thing? And she goes, well, well, met my friends, I got covered in cream, I got a chisel up my nose, Austin preached a great word, it was fantastic. And I'm like, and there it is. So, you know, we, we are very, very grateful. Amen. Well, this is the first time I've been here for ages. I feel like, I, I don't know, where have you been? <laughs> Oh, gathering was amazing. Mark and I are still on a high from it um, and feel so impacted by it. Um, I don't know how you felt about it, but um, we were just so blessed. And so thank you for everyone who served to make it great. Um, we're really appreciative. And, and for our Sisters Day, for the girls, I would encourage you, if you can, to get there. It's going to be fantastic. That $20 includes lunch, by the way. So it's a cheap as chips day, and we're going to have an awesome time together. All right, have you got your Bibles, or at least your glasses, so you can look on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. And we've been in this um, Life on Purpose series, which I don't know, have you enjoyed it? Uh, We've really enjoyed it. And, you know, sometimes it's really good just to get back to the basics. While the world is giving us complex and crazy information and misinformation, The church of the living God has got to continue to know our truths, our why behind the what. We need to know who we are. And, you know, as we first talked about identity, and that was just amazing, and last week talked about formed for God, bless you, for God's pleasure in worship and our lives of worship before our God and how critical they are. And it's, you know, when we hear the word worship, 
right? Lots of people go towards singing and song, but Romans 12 pushes back on all of that and talks about the entirety of our lives lived in that posture before God, the whole of our lives. And it's really good to remember that in everything we do, that worshipful posture. Today, we're going to talk about we are formed for God's family. Now, I know some of you hear the word family and you start twitching, right? It's like the word family or even church family is not always a positive experience for people. But I want to remind you this morning that our God designed us, you and I, He designed us, birthed us through our natural family and created us for our spiritual family, his sons and his daughters. And the church, his body on the earth is part of the purpose of God on the earth. It is so important and I believe it is so important, which is why we continually face um, like a full-on spiritual attack against the church, not the buildings, the church, his body, you and I. And you always got to recognise that for what it is. That is not the truth. When, the, when something comes to attack the church, it just means that because we are God's church, we will always find some sort of opposition. But who knows that Jesus has won everything and his church His family is really, really important on the earth today. Hebrews 2.10, it's beautiful. It says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose, right, chose to bring many children into glory. God, God wanted family. God didn't want institution. He didn't want form over family. He wanted family. That's why we're here. He wanted children. The Bible says he planned everything in the entire universe, us being born on purpose for such a time as this, on the exact moment that we were born. It was all part of his plan, but so that we could share in his glory to be part of his family. Verse 11 from Hebrews 2, it says, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and his sisters. We are family. There's been a song written about that, but I won't sing it this morning. But the entire Bible is this story of God building this family You know, we're born into natural family and then God invites us to be part of his highest treasured thing, his spiritual family. And, you know, there's this created notion, isn't there, of this like perfect family experience that, you know, let's just be real this morning. I mean, if I could call Instagram and we change it and call it Reality Gram. And let's put up the real reels of people's lives. You know, it's like you've got to get the right angles and the right lighting and then you put all the filters on and then none of the children are misbehaving and the house is always perfect. It's like Insta. And they create, Instagram makes its money on creating an image of a perfect family that is so far from reality and we buy the lie. 
We buy the lie. We can, and it makes us feel inadequate. Even in church family, it's the same thing. You see all these beautiful pictures. And it's like, oh my gosh, they must sing Kumbaya all day and skip through the tulips and nobody ever has tension or disagreements. Wow, what a church family. I've got to tell you that that is not reality. That's why we need the grace of God. When we are called in a natural family, in a spiritual family, we need the grace of God. I look at... Um, <laughs> I think of Jesus' mother, Mary, and there's this, all these beautiful pictures of Mary, the million paintings from 2,000 years ago of a pretty little mama with her beautiful little baby, with the halos around the baby and the cows are all smiling. And I'm like, it wasn't like that. That was, you know, it's like the Instagram over the last 2,000 years has painted this picture but Jesus, you know, he's born in this smelly stable. Sometimes I'm like, it's because Joseph was, did not properly plan. He's like, you didn't make a booking. And Jesus <laughs> starts doing miracles. And it says in Matthew that his brothers actually refused to believe him. And this is stressful as a parent. When your children don't get on, I wonder how God feels when his, his own kids don't get on. Jesus, when he's preaching, he's drawing a crowd, he's doing miracles. People wanted to kill him. His own mum and dad fully didn't get him. Remember, they lost him. Remember, they lost him. And, and when you read from Jesus' life, he had to continually draw away from his natural environment and the people that God had placed him in to do life with, he had to continually get away to the Father to refresh his soul so he could stay as, you know, just filled with grace. Um, and, and I also wrote here his disciples also needed from Jesus so much grace because they were all messy they were all messy. And, and I think we forget sometimes we, we can get so clumsy around church life. But actually, Jesus has always said, you are my brothers and sisters and God is our father. And together, we will extend this kingdom of God. We, we will do it together. But it also means we need a lot of grace for each other on the way. And I want to hear an amen. <laughs> Even from the 8.30. I want to hear an amen. I wrote down, can I just tell you some crazy family stories in the Bible? Just a couple. And then I'll, I'll really just speak from the Bible. But I, I wrote down and I read some things. The first recorded husband and wife willfully and catastrophically disobey God. Their firstborn kills his brother. Sarah, her grief over infertility, moves her to give her servant Hagar to Abraham as a concubine to, to bear a surrogate child. And Isaac and Rebekah play favourites with their twin boys, whose sibling rivalry becomes one of the worst in history. Esau sells a birthright for soup. It, it, it goes on and on. Ten of Jacob's sons contemplate killing their own brother but sell him instead. They lie about it to their father for 22 years. Why Solomon unwisely married 1,000 women? I'm like, you, we've got to read the Bible. It is truth. And you're like, all right, there was some stuff going on. 
And then we get to church, we're like, why isn't everyone perfect? It's because we're human. We're all on a journey before God. Life on purpose in family. I want to say to you today, we all need the redeeming grace of God over our lives to flourish within family, natural and spiritual. And I want you to understand today, and I'm sure you do, that God is building himself this family that is not just lasting here on earth, but it is an eternal family. And, and these sons and daughters, you and I, we get to spend eternity in the presence of our God. And, you know, once you understand and, and you get started on God's first purpose for your life, which is um, after that identity message, getting to know and to love God, to worship, worship God, this second purpose that we're speaking about is actually, the Bible calls it, fellowship. It's a funny old word, fellowship. It's not one that we use a lot. And it actually, if you break it down, it's talking about loving and receiving love from a spiritual family. It's actually wrapped within the word discipleship, you know, fellowship together. And 1 1 Peter um, 2.17, it says, respect everyone. And listen this, and love the family, the fellowship of believers. Love. Love the family, the fellowship of believers. You know, if you talk to me in a negative sense around one of my children, even if what you're saying is true, you know, I could listen in that, but I will still defend because they are my family. I am the same with the house of God. I... There's lots of things every day we could all say. But because I am a kingdom builder and I am a lover of God's church, his family, I defend her. Not because I'm being precious, it's because you defend what you love. And we want to love the thing that Jesus said that he will build. It's the only thing he's saying that he will build on the earth, his church, which is you and me. And so we become defenders. When the Bible says fellowship, you know, if I were to ask you what actions describe the word fellowship, I'm sure we get lots of answers. You know, some of us would say we eat together, which is good. Someone might say we go to church. But fellowship, when you boil it down, is about loving God's family. Let me ask you this. Is it optional? Boy, it's quiet. (laughs) No. 1 John 4.21 says, and he has given us this command. Ready? Hold on to your seatbelts. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So how do you do that? How do we do that in truth? In truth. You know, the Bible gives us really clear and beautiful instruction. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. You know, that family is the church because the church is a family. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's not an organisation. It's not a club. It's a family. 
A lot of people say, well, I'm going to go to church, which we all, I can find myself saying that too, um, as if a church is a place we go, but it's not quite correct. I find myself pulling myself up on it all the time, like um, I'm going to go to worship or I'm going to go to the house of God because the church is not a place we go to. The church is the family we belong to, which is a massive difference. And I guess over the next, you know, little while, we'll, we can pick each other up on our language because it's more than a building. It's more than a service. It's a family that we belong to. You know, when I um, first met Jesus, and I've told many, meant this story many, many times, but I was living by myself, renting a room at the back of a single mum's home, and I was 15, I'd left school, I'd gone to work, I'd sung on television since I was 10 years old, so I had some savings. I, my father got radically born again, he had had a relationship with Jesus and then really walked away and, and had a really devastating time. So when he came back to the Lord, he came and picked me up one night and he said, I'm taking you to youth, which is also why I love youth. And, he, and I got radically saved, radically born again. But there was the, the love of God, and the unconditional love of God, which kind of exploded in my heart. And there was peace that surprised me um, because I was quite a, I was a young woman full of turmoil. But there was a family. And, and I would turn up at everything, literally everything. And the two women who really scooped me up, one was the choir director and one was the music minister. And they scooped me up and they sat me at their table in their homes. They involved me in choir. And I find it incredible how God sets the lonely in not just family, but the right family. And God, who knew me better than I knew myself, put me and set me at a table with two women who loved me to life and saw my potential and over years pulled it out of me. It's so, and it's the family of God. Was it perfect? No, of course not. But can I be really honest with you? I'm a very half glass full person. You can get me even on a bad day. I'm not a glass half empty person. It's just not who I am. I didn't see the wrong because all I saw and all I sensed was this family that did not reject me. And, you know, I place ourselves in 2022. We have an earth, uh, people across the earth who are aching and rejected. And if they can't walk into the house of God and be loved to life from the church, no matter what they look like, no matter what they believe in, we've got to love them first, let them belong first. And as we walk through with people, they will believe. But we can't be the church that only accepts certain people. That's not family. That's not family. I love, well, it's nothing in my notes, but I love the prodigal son's story where the father, he, his son was, a, both of them were rat bags, actually. The older one had a lot of attitude, a lot of entitlement. 
the younger one was a bit rebellious and I kind of like him. And, and he, he goes out, but the father, while the son, listen, while the son was still a long way off. So, you know, I talked to a father this week who will not allow his 16-year-old daughter to come home because she wants to date a non-Christian guy. And I'm like, I'm not going to talk about that right now. What about the, being the father who is going to accept the daughter even while she's a long way off? He said, oh, no, that son had to get saved first and then the father welcomed him home. I said, no, no, the, the son changed direction. The Bible says that he came to his senses, but the father was, while he was a long way off, was waiting, was longing for this child. It's like if we, the church, the brothers and sisters of Jesus, the sons and daughters of God, stand in our community like this and say, you're all right, but you're not, that's nothing to do with who the church is. It's, it isn't. Come on, family. Come on. That's not who the church is. So I've just written here, there's four pillars. If I get to them in nine minutes, God bless me. I will do my best. The first pillar is this, and now I'm putting it on us, is choosing to belong. Make a choice to belong. It's the most basic level. <laughs> you find a church family there's no perfect one anywhere. So you've got to find the one that you have uh, peace with, synergy with, and then you choose to belong. You don't put one foot in, keep one foot out, so you've got a good rescue strategy just in case someone hurts me because I'm out of here. It's like, no, no. We choose to belong and we choose to get connected to it. Ephesians 2 says, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people and you are members of God's family. See, the Christian life is not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. And so we choose to belong. Even as a 15-year-old, I chose to belong. Those poor women didn't know what hit them. I turned up to a church board meeting and I was 16 years old and I'm like, they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I heard there was a meeting. (laughs) I was 16 years old and they did not make me feel small. They fed me and loved me and sent me home. (laughs) Fellowship begins with belonging. Belonging. See, God wants us to identify, to make the choice to be part of his family. When we're born, we automatically become a part of the human race, but we have to choose to be a part of God's family. It's a choice. Some people say, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't want to belong to any church. Well, it doesn't make sense. The, the church is where you live out. And, and we, we come together from here and then we go to live out what it means to be a Christian. It's like saying I'm a football player, but I don't want to be part of any team. Good, good luck with that. Um, I, this was in Mark's notes. <laughs> he said, it's like saying I'm a triangle player, but I don't want to be part of an orchestra. He's like, a triangle player without an orchestra sounds pretty funny. It's like saying I'm a bee, I don't want to be part of a hive. A soldier without a platoon, a Christian without a church family is like an orphan. See, God meant us to be part of family. 
Romans 12, 5, we are many parts of one body. And listen, this is the kicker. And we all belong to each other. Discipleship 101. See, if you want to grow, if you want to see God at work in your life, you've got to join a body. Jesus calls the church God's body. If I said to you, I love you, but I can't stand your body. (laughs) If Mark said that to me, I'd be like really ticked. We do laugh with each other and say, isn't it lovely how when you get older and your eyes get a bit blurry? I said, I think that's because we just can look at each other and go, wow, you're awesome. (laughs) I think it's the kindness of God, right? The the fading eyesight, hallelujah. But the church is Jesus' body. He loves his church. The church is the bride. What if someone said, I love you, but I can't stand your wife? It's just not kind. The church is the bride of Christ. And we say it's funny, but actually it's reality. The second pillar of fellowship is a little bit deeper. Um, Let's call this the friendship zone. You know, we talked about two weeks ago, created in God's image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we're made for relationship. Life is not a solo act. We need friends. Acts 2, 42 um, and then to 44, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the early church and the fellowship, right, committed to each other, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, which is what we're doing today. And 44 says all the believers, they met together in one place. And what did they do? They shared. That's what um, fellowship and that going deeper into friendship There's two things you see there. You can't develop friendships without meeting together, right? It's like the danger of Tinder, the danger of these things. Again, it's like two, uh, two Instagram relationships. Let's put a big filter over my life and a big filter over yours and let's see if we can bring those together. Wowzers. That's going to go well. And, and then you can't develop friendships without sharing, It's sharing our lives, sharing um, what we have. And and the more frequent we meet together, the closer we get. Psalm 68, I love this so much, that God sets the lonely in family. Why? Because in family and in fellowship, when when we go that step deeper, we get to be a bit more intimate with each other. We get to talk together. I get to know you better. You, I get to know what makes you tick. You get to know what makes me tick. You get to know what causes me pain. I get to know what causes you pain. I get to know what you love. You get to know what I love. In, in the most virtually connected generation, and now we have this epidemic of loneliness. I, I read in a journal last night, a medical journal, that social isolation and loneliness is harmful, without a shadow of a doubt, to both mental and physical health. And you can see why the world is trying to push people and the church, trying to scatter in a dangerous way and to isolate because that is when people's minds really lose their centre when there's no relational 
proactive, intentional activity and to literally push back this cultural, emotional deficit, we have to go after friendships. We have to go taking the time, taking the time. There's a beautiful woman in this campus who, like just one day, it was 18 months ago or so, the Holy Spirit dropped her into my heart and he said, this is your friend. And I'd been praying around friendships and God, because I've had to, you know, walk away from some and that's been painful. And I'm like, God, what do I do here? And he's like, oh, this is your friend. And so we have been intentional about reaching in to each other's worlds. And it takes time. But actually, family, being part of the family of God and being intentional around not just racing in and racing out, but lingering. It's like in worship. If you just do the quick dip, right, you'll only get a quick dip um, in, in your heart. But if you do the deep dive, not just here at home, wherever it is you find you've got your little war room, if you do the deep dive, you know, you'll see your life be really impacted by the presence of God in ways you cannot ever see in just dipping your toes in the water. And it's the same with relationship. The Bible says learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. The Bible says we're to share. 1 Peter 4, this is hard for a lot of people. Open up your homes to each other. That's actually what it says. It doesn't say if you have a really nice home, open it up. It says, open up your home. Why are we to share our home? Why? You know, inviting someone into your home is inviting someone deeper into your life. We can't fellowship deeply in a crowd. We can fellowship deeply when we break into smaller groups. That's why we love life groups. We worship together in a, in a larger group. We celebrate together in a larger group. We learn together in a larger group. But for you and I to get to know each other, we need to be in a smaller context. In the first 300 years of Christianity, there were no church buildings. All church meetings were held in homes. There was no, there was no alternative. And we've gone, which is awesome that we have church buildings so that we can gather our whole communities into this church building but to build the church we need relationship and friendship that's when we get to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice we don't need to fix everyone's problem but there is a amazing like never underestimate the power of your presence just your presence in the world of somebody else so powerful is everyone all right good 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 nearly done I'll get the team to come. Hebrews 10, what does it say? We've said it so often. It says, never neglect or let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The third pillar is partnership. It's doing my part. Partnership is a bit of a formal word for me. I don't actually love it. Um, but what, if you break it down, it just means doing my part with you doing your part together. Partnership. You know, God didn't bring us into the church or into Hope You See to sit and soak in a spiritual spa, you know, and become, become the critics 
of, of what's going on. That's not why we're here. He wants to make a difference in our lives and then through our lives. And just as there is in every family, in the family of God, there's responsibilities. And I love the book of Nehemiah where it says in there, it gives us this great detail that people served next to one another, shoulder to shoulder, next to one another. And there were artisans and builders and designers and homemakers. And you see women in Nehemiah standing next to kings, just shoulder to shoulder, everyone playing their part. And this kind of life, it calls for proximity to one another where we serve one another, we're there for one another, we love one another, we pray for one another. This is what love in action looks like, not just in words. Not just in words. It's great to share um, our hearts to God in worship. And I find that there is where I am fueled for Pillar 3, where I can contribute to the greater kingdom story, to be part of God's plan for the universe. And in order to be part you know, you've got to find your fit. You've got to find your part of the kaleidoscope of God's great plan for humanity. But I'll tell you what, you fit. You fit. There, we always say there's a place for you here because we mean it. We don't say it lightly. There's a place for you here. You fit. There's a way for you to contribute. Ephesians 4, I love this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Isn't that beautiful? The whole body, that's you and that's me. The last pillar that I'll talk about briefly is this level of fellowship in the family of God that's called kinship. Kinship. We, we don't use the term much anymore, but it actually means your very closest relationships, your closest family you know, when someone has an accident and, and it's very critical and they say, who is your next of kin? It's talking about this kinship. It doesn't mean go find a distant relative, a distant acquaintance, someone you don't really know, and I'll give them all the info. Your, your next of kin, kinship. The person who's close to you, the one that you hold dearly. You bring them... Um, here right now in a situation like that because they are kin. And the Bible actually says that this is the attitude we should have, that kinship is loving believers like family, treating and loving believers like they're your family, that you're committed to them, to their well-being. The, the word for fellowship in the Bible, you've all heard it, is that Greek word koinonia. And what it means is, being as committed to each other as we are to Christ. It pulls us into this deepest level of fellowship, kinship, kinship. Think about it. It's like I, by the Spirit of God, I can honestly say I love you. That's kinship. It's like I am willing to sacrifice for you. That's kinship. You look in in John, we hear that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave, that's his kinship action that he gave. It's um, 
1 John 3.16, we know what real love is. Why? Because Jesus gave up His life for us. And then it says, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Kinship. It's the deepest level of fellowship, sacrificing for one another. You know, the Bible actually talks a lot about the fellowship of suffering. And frankly, here in Australia, we don't know a lot about this level of fellowship. You know, around the world, Christians give their lives every day for the sake of other people knowing about the love of Jesus. They give themselves. Mark received a video from his cousin Wayne yesterday. Um, who you know, Wayne, we had him via technology here. And when he went back to Ukraine, he, they're suffering. And we don't understand, you know, Mark found it very hard to even watch the video of Wayne sharing his heart and how hard it is. And I want to pray for him before we're done this morning. But how do we get to this deepest level in in Australia, in Newcastle this morning. How do we do that? Do you know we do it just by standing with each other? It's all relative. God hasn't called you, or He may have called you to go to Ukraine, but right now you're called to right here, right now. And so there is a mission that we're called to stand alongside and, and stand with people who are going through a crisis, neighbours who need Jesus, our children who need us to be walking out these powerful, excuse me, spirit-filled lives in Christ. Praying for our government daily is like doing spiritual warfare. It's like this is, this is our time in Newcastle, in Australia, in history. And to develop kinship means we've got to develop some resolve to stand. When everyone else walks out, you walk in, you're there. You're not, you're not like the crowd who just leave when times are tough. You're bound with other believers in the love of Jesus. And, and you know, this actually becomes a thing of such great beauty that the Bible tells us that's how the world knows that we are followers of Jesus because of our love for each other. That is incredible. Kinship, kinship. So this morning, you know, if when I say formed for family, I really want to pray for us today. You know, this is actually what life is all about, loving Jesus, loving God, surrendering our lives to His will, surrendering our ways to His ways. And, and in that comes the commission to go and love our brothers and sisters. And if we miss this, We've missed one of the great reasons for being that God points out in the Word. What we want, Mark and I, because we feel like this is the hope, the, the Word of God, is we don't want hope you see to be known for our size or our sermons or our singing or our strategy or our buildings or lack of buildings where if you're in Newcastle, We'll be left with one, but it's not the end. It's just the beginning. But we want people to know the church by our love. By our love. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts that defies logic, that defies circumstance.
How do we do this, family? We do it by living in the grace of God, by being fueled in His presence daily, not being casual with the things of God, but every day surrendering. We want people to truly feel and know that they belong here, that feel loved, just like 15-year-old me found a place of acceptance, love and belonging. We want people to say, oh, that's the place where they just love. They're crazy, those people. They love everybody. But that's what, that's who God is. And we are made in His image. Mirrors, mirrors of His heart. You know, one of the greatest privileges we are ever offered in life is the privilege of being part of God's family. I love my family, my natural family. I think because of my circumstance as a child, family is just a very big, Um, value for me. It's why as a church, it's a very big value for us. It's why we are passionate about the table, because I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have a place to belong. The family of God, you know, we've got to represent the heart of God. That's why we're all sitting here today, because we've all encountered the love of God along the way. But can I ask you a question this morning? Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your head? I'm talking to Christians Maybe today I'm, I'm saying this and you're kind of rolling your eyes maybe on the outside or the inside and like, sure, sure. But you know, I want to tell you this. We all have the ability to be hurt, to face disappointment. When it comes to natural family or the family of God, maybe you haven't really put your roots down here yet because you're really timid of what it's going to require. Maybe you don't want to trust yourself to be part of a bigger team. But I want to tell you this morning that the emotional barriers that we put out and then we put up and we construct around our hearts, that's not giving you the best for your life. And that is not how God intended things to be for you. And even though you may have been wronged, it is still our choice to forgive and to not allow that forgiveness to just erect another brick in the wall, the unforgiveness to erect another brick in the wall around our hearts. And I want to pray for you today. And you don't have to raise your hand. This is between you and the Lord because I am believing that from today there's going to be a new freedom and a new sense of roots going deep into the house of God because we are God's family. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you right now. Father, you know us intimately. You know where things are really good in our lives and you know where things are really tight and tough. You know the natural family situations and you know the spiritual family situations. And right now, in your precious name, Because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, I pray today that people's hearts are opened, that the walls around their hearts are just taken out brick by brick as they continually offer forgiveness and as they continue in worship, Father God. And as I just pray that from today, there'll be a noticeable difference in you, a noticeable difference in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, I just thank you that you are building your church 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord God, where there has been things that are legitimately wrong, Father God, we just, if we have wronged others, we just say we are sorry. And Spirit of God, just come and minister into the deep places of our hearts, I pray in your mighty name. In your mighty name, there's nothing greater than the freedom that we have because of the price you paid. And I thank you that we will walk in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm nearly done. I heard something said at gathering that I've heard before, but I loved it. And it said, You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Did you hear that? You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And when in John it says that God so loved, He gave. And He gave Jesus. And, you know, I think sometimes saying yes to Jesus, you know, we get caught. It's like you think, oh, I can't love God that in, that much. I, I, I can't talk about Him like that. I I don't even know him well enough to love him like that. And, and so you, you resist opening your heart to the love of God. But I want to say to you this morning, that's not the problem. The problem is that we don't realise just how much God loves us. And if you knew, if you've never made your peace with God, never opened your heart to God, or maybe you've walked away from God, I want to say to you this morning, if you really knew how passionate God's love is towards you and how He desires for every detail of your life to be washed in His blood so that you could experience the deep love like I did at 15 and the deep freedom like I have from that day to this. It's like this continuing journey. How can you not love a God like that? And as you open your heart to Him, you will experience His love in ways that cause you to respond in ways that you never knew you were capable of. I want to just, with the last 30 seconds, if we just bow our heads one more time, if that's you this morning, and you might be saying, I don't understand everything about this love of God, but I do want to receive His love into my life this morning. I know He loves me, but I want to know that personally. Maybe you've wandered away. Or maybe you've just never really surrendered your life to Jesus. Then I want you to lift up your hand. No one else is looking around by me because I want to pray with you this morning. I see you, beautiful lady. More importantly, God does. Who else is there this morning? And today you want to make this new commitment in your heart. You're not making it to the church. You're making it to Jesus. You're asking Jesus to come in and be the Lord of your life. <laughs> That's so good. That is so good. We're going to pray together and we're going to pray along with this beautiful woman. Dearest Lord Jesus, this morning I open my heart to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I turn from living life my way. And with all that I am, I turn to live life your way. I am now a Christian. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen.